Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show where a bunch of military veterans get together and defeat the villainous philosophy of self-doubt by having encouraging conversations designed to feed your mind, strengthen your body, enrich your spirit, and grow your tribe. I am your co-host, Rob Renz. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, our season three co-host, Yo. to be clear, Brandon Pettyjohn, ESQ, PLLC, the Port City Attorney. And Matt, we've upgraded Matt's status from he's on vacation to he's on sabbatical. Sabbatical, yep. yeah. Matt has given me Matt has given me the authorization to tell all of our listeners out there that he has got he has achieved some very gainful employment. That's true. He's doing a great job. It's a positive move, it's and a, and yep. so he's happy, and we're happy for him. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it's a it's a move for him. Provides him with financial security, a routine, and he's enjoying the work too, which is most important. I've seen him two times. Uh, now, uh, since I've been down there, and he's running like a chicken with his head cut off, but he f- he feels like he's a duck in water. He's at home, and that yeah. was two bird references. I like that. Uh, yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Lil Wayne, come come at come find me. <laughs> Let me get a oh, feature. Oh wow, that was terrible. Let me <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a feature. Um, Brandon, I am I'm I got a lot to unpack. Well, because you're moving, or well, no, no, we moved, we moved. That's done. Check it off the list. And since our last episode, I told you how much that was weighing on me, dude. I feel so light. I bet. Like yeah. I feel free. Like that is finally behind us. Um, but I. Well, before we get too far in the weeds, let's let's. You want to introduce this guy Chris now? Yeah, yeah, Chris. Why don't you introduce yourself to the people and just say what your name is, what you do, and we're gonna get into a story later. But you know, I, I don't want you to be like, "Who the hell is this? Who the guy hell is this guy here? sitting here on our YouTube page that we have yet to introduce?" You're right. Good co-hosting right there, dude. I got you. All right, so my name is Chris Bradley. Um, I'm the owner of Cape Fear Investigative Services. I'm a private investigator here in Wilmington. And you were a Jacksonville, North Carolina police officer from 2000 to 2020. Well, free, yeah, two thousand two thousand nine to two thousand fifteen at Jacksonville. Okay, I'm sorry, two thousand six to two thousand fifteen at Jacksonville. Prior to that, two thousand to two thousand six with Surf City, two thousand fifteen <laughs> to two thousand twenty with Onslow County Sheriff's Office. So we're going to go through all two, of it. Two decades of drunk Marine arrests. Oh yeah, I want to hear some <laughs> during of those. the height of the war. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Just five finger death punch was probably playing they in were, every Dodge were, Charger they, you that you what? pulled they were, over. They were playing at. Hooligans back then. <laughs> <laughs> great. Yes. Oh, we oh, could yeah. go We're win the, dive we could go win the Battle that. of Fallujah all over again oh after God, this I'm conversation. I'm ready. Let's go. Give me more, give me more bang. Dude, uh, yeah, more bang, more <laughs> ass shock. Um, yeah, we got three. We got two bangs and we got a monster my today. Fault, my fault. That's okay. No, that's Switch okay. Switched up a little bit. On Did you? you? I saw an ad for Monster, the white one. Did this, so has the white monster with the blue letters replaced the black can with the blue letters? I don't know. I've seen those in the store. Do you know they have monsters that have alcohol in them? They have six percent. Yeah, I it's saw like a, those. They're a called monster. Like, it sounds like the original Four Loco. Oh, it's like it a does. Monster, it's like a monster seltzer. It sounds oh. like a. It sounds like a '96 in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it, it does. Sounds yep. Like, yep. Yep. That's what it. it sounds, sounds like. like first aren't getting a call. Yeah, right. You're gonna drink? Don't drive. You're gonna drive? Don't drink. Um, Brandon, I on Instagram. I don't. I'm not saying. I'm not saying this because I'm jealous. I just want you to know. Okay. You're doing a second podcast. There's some BJJ content out uh, there yeah. that you're doing, and I was I was tickled to death that you showed up 50 minutes late to y'all's first episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? Brandon will never be late for an episode of Signal Fire Radio, ever. I'm here, baby. I'm and here. then we just spent 40 minutes watching you lawyer, which yeah, was amazing. I was here. I told you I'd be here at 140. You were right. I was on a phone call with a client. It was so cool <laughs> was to get here. it behind the scenes of what it is, you know, like... You know, because we see people professionally, but if we don't work together and stuff like that, it's like you never really know what it is that you you do. Right. Um, and I'm 
super glad that you brought Chris today, too, because I just got done watching season two of Perry Mason on HBO, Ooh. and I'm super into lawyer shows. Heck yeah. Like, I like crime stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think today's episode is just going to be like our own true crime podcast. I like it. But did, you watch, did you watch Better Call Saul? That's the question. Oh, yeah. I love Better Call Saul. Did you Saul. watch the last season, too? Mm, no, I'm not caught up. It's on, Net, it's on Netflix is now. It, yeah. should, I, should I invest the time? Worth it. Dude, super Bob good. Odenkirk, I mean... I love what a, that man. He's so good. He's a national treasure. Is there? Is there, Chris? Is there? Because you guys, you know, sometimes you watch shows and you're like, "That's not. That's not how it is." Like as an investigator, as a private investigator, what show and what character from that show is like? Okay, like a true to like as, as it could be to like an investigator, a cop, anything like that. My so there's there's a movie and a show. Okay, um, show. I've got to go with the original Magnum PI. Okay. Ooh, because yeah. you know, he's he's got a butler named Higgins. I have a dog named Jay Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drive a Ferrari yet, but you know, if somebody wants to give me a red Ferrari, let's do it. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. There was somebody who picked up a kid in uh, my daughter's car line driving a yellow Ferrari and had like yesterday had the audacity to open the top right there in front of all these other people driving BD, Toyota man. Camrys and stuff. Like, dude, what are you doing? BD. You can't do that. Um, movie, um, I you know what? A one that really just kind of sets home to me, Point Break. Yes, um, and then and then SWAT. So who's the character mm. in Point Break? Is it Johnny Utah? Is he Johnny the, Utah? Yeah, num- number nine. Number nine. Utah. Number nine. <laughs> Bring me two. Um, point Break, and then you said what? What was the other one? SWAT. SWAT. Okay. With Samuel oh, Jackson. With, uh, yeah, Samuel Jackson. And Colin, Colin Farrell. Colin, yes. And Bridget the Midget makes yes. a cameo in yes. it. <laughs> yes. Which which. <laughs> Uh, this might not be a safer podcast story, right? <laughs> but there's a place in Atlanta, Georgia, called the Claremont Lounge. If you ever go, if you ever go to Atlanta, you're a tourist there. You have to stop at the Claremont Lounge, and one person on this panel of this podcast has seen Bridget the Midget there. I'm not going to say who it was. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it was. I'm going to say how books. exciting it was. But but yeah, that'll be for the Signal Fire After Hours the After podcast. Because we talk about yeah. business here and yeah. entrepreneurship and getting better at life, right? I but think her are... name was on the on the, the premier um, sign, the marquee at yeah. Toby's once. That would be... Um, <laughs> if you could find an old picture of that somewhere... <laughs> That needs to go. And used, used to know like the owner. I bet, of I, I bet he. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite though, all-time favorite marquee at Toby's. Dancers start at noon. Sixteen pretty ones, one ugly one. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you? So tell just g- tell me, give me the oral history as Chris Bradley sees it of Jacksonville, North Carolina. Oh my gosh, born and raised in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, graduated from Jacksonville High School. Um, was a played soccer growing up. Um, had horrible grades, probably like this guy over here next to me. Yeah. Um, you know, military wasn't an option when I was getting out of high school. I just wanted to play soccer and run around field, um, talk to a college coach. He said, your grades suck. Okay. Go to community college for a year. Okay. Come back and see me. Cool. No problem. Um, so I did. I went to Coastal, realized I had a whole lot of freedom. Didn't have to go to class. Yeah. And after the first semester, I was on academic probation. (laughs) As you should be. Um, Consequences, let's right? See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, three weeks before I met with the the coach from a, from a college, I ripped my ACL in half, tore a meniscus off of my knee, all the fun stuff. Riding a skateboard, mm. forty miles an hour downhill, mm. it'll do it to you. Yep. Um, you weren't on a longboard. I wasn't on a longboard. Okay. Yep. So when did you graduate high school? Uh, before you were born. Was it ninety six? No. No. <laughs> no. 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 But but my my question being that is is like twofold, right? So you grew up in Jacksonville. So one, you're like. You're so used to the military that it's like not this like sexy thing, but two, it's like 
it was like the Bill Clinton nineties. So it's not like yes. there was like anything going on. Right. So your motivations probably weren't like, you know, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to join the Marine Corps because right, right. a, I've been around it my entire yeah. life and B there's nothing going on. What Being the hell from I do? Jacksonville would have to be the greatest deterrent to deterrent joining the, the Marine Corps. Corps. Oh, but absolutely. you would be surprised how many kids from Jacksonville go into really? the Marine Corps. Yes. Because really? their parents were in the Marine Corps. That's true. Or, and they're like, I'm just, just going to come right back right. here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So but what's funny though, is that you have a history of law enforcement in your family. I do. And so it's funny, like how, you know, there's a military lineage or a law enforcement lineage or something like that. And so who yeah. was in law enforcement originally in your family? My grandfather was, um, 34 years with Jacksonville PD. Wow. My dad was also with Jacksonville PD as a reserve officer. So, and, and his his family jumped off at Plymouth Rock, came down to Jacksonville, yeah. and stitched <laughs> yeah. the Bradley name into the into um, the Jacksonville Ninjas and have, uh, and, corner. And, and, threw, and threw Marines' asses in jail. Yeah. For do you, eight, did you know the Jacksonville decades? Ninja? Yes. Do you remember what that What is guy? the Jacksonville Ninja? I don't remember It was this, this older uh, older black gentleman okay. that would stand at the, the corner of uh, Western and... 17. 17, and he would just do karate. Okay. Yeah. Just do karate all day long. <laughs> what so, years was this? Was, like he, 2000. He yeah. was, he's, you know what, he's still, he's still around. He's still around. Um, <laughs> he still does ninja. He still he, ninjas. So we've also arrested him for dealing. Oh really? Oh, yeah. so the ninja thing is is kind yeah. of a front. It's just marketing. He's like a sign twirler. Yeah, that's right. Well, no, is I he think dealing he was, hard and, stuff or um, just selling we, weed? So um, some of the some of the narcotic guys. I was on a street crimes unit for about three and a half years at Jacksonville before I went to narcotics, and he was arrested for selling crack. But he was more. He was a runner. I mean, he wasn't a dealer. Don't make him a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 So. But yeah, that was his thing. He was standing I mean, on the corner. allegedly, right? Allegedly. allegedly, he was arrested yeah. for selling crack. The war on drugs is the longest <laughs> war we've been losing. Uh, war on poverty, I think, is actually that's longer. true. And we're that losing is true. that one really we are bad very too. Much They're very much intertwined. Yeah, they are. They're kind of one and the same. Yeah. We try to stay away from politics on this show because yeah, we no, hate no. everybody. We hate everybody. We equally. just yeah. right. Chris equally. is there with us. Equal that's distribution it. of distrust and distaste amongst. No, but amongst I, the I'm really sad class. you don't know the Jacksonville Ninja because he was such a like staple when I was. He's on there. YouTube. You got a YouTube. It could have been one of those things that I forgot. Just, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, no, it was great though. He would like he would wear like cami bottoms, okay. and just no shirt, ripped, you know, ripped up dude. Yeah. So he looked like a legit ninja. He looks like a guy that practices karate for eight hours okay. on the corner of a street. <laughs> because maybe high on crack. Maybe, maybe, maybe high on crack. And his wingspan was just ridiculous. He had the longest arms. Like it was insane. So like you would you if you had to arrest him, you'd approach with some caution? No. No? You just no. go barreling. I mean you, you can Dr. take Watts. a you can take a punch. <laughs> you look like a guy who has yeah. eaten some punches. Yeah, like you're yeah, built like a guy. That can just take a hit and keep going. <laughs> I have, yeah. So, so all right. Walking us through. So you join, you know, Surf City, which is I guess Pender County, but right. um, you're in the area. Pardon me, where Marines are. Yeah. So, 2000 to 2020, you got 20 year career. Tell us about 2000 to 2003. You know, the slow uptick, the big surge, 2003. And then how like Jacksonville, like everyone just left, right? I mean, you know, deployed, and then like so from your perspective, like how did the war over the past 20 years affect Jacksonville and, and folks like you that lived there and, and had a vested interest in it? It didn't. Okay. Because, so Jacksonville being a hub for um, Marine Corps East, so you have Camp Lejeune, you have uh, uh, Camp Johnson, SOI. Mm -hmm. You have guys constantly flowing through here. So mm -hmm. it, it never really affected. Business has stayed open. That's good. Um, the only thing that really happened was the, 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 the shift or the pendulum with Jacksonville was Western Boulevard. 
I remember Western Boulevard when it stopped at 17. All where Walmart and all the new stuff, mm -hmm. all of that was woods. Mm, interesting. So, as I mean, so it never really, I mean, the, the housing market never suffered. I mean, I remember buying my first house in 2000. What would mm. you pay for it, if you don't mind me asking? Um, $78,000. 78, how many square feet? It was 1,800. And what part of town was it in? Um, the south, it was off of. Dawson Cabin, so okay. south past the, the air station. Okay, okay. What do you think that same house? That house just sold. It was funny. My my ex wife sent me a message. Um, that house sold a couple weeks ago for two fourteen. Wow. Dang. That's still that's still to me two fourteen sounds low. Right. For any, I mean, you can't find a house in New Hanover County for under three hundred right no. now. No, and at three hundred, it's Even a Pender fixer County upper almost. You know, you yeah. got to really be looking pretty good. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. been on the hunt. That Did, well, yeah, because it's it, you brought that. It's such a great question that you asked, Brandon. Because like Jacksonville, Onslow County, like it's booming up there right now, and it's mm -hmm. probably because we're not at wartime right now. So like Holly Ridge and Sneeds Ferry, all these well, areas are just it only expands. Like it only crazy. expands out. So I remember even even in my days in Surf City, I remember the guys guys from the Pentagon come down mm -hmm. and they met with all the small towns. Hey, get ready. We're going to move um, Marine Corps basic boot camp to Holly Ridge, where Camp Davis is. It never happened. Oh, wow. It's still, it's still in Beaufort. Yeah. Can you imagine Paris them Island. moving PI to, well, to Camp Johnson? That you, would be you know, a Do you know the story behind Paris Island? Do uh -huh. you know that's privately owned land that was leased to the Marine Corps? Oh, really? I think I did hear that. I think my dad told me this yes. once, but I don't recall. So the there was a, a long-term lease. Well, that lease is up, and it's been up. Oh, really? And so the the family that originally owned it, they're, they've passed away now. And okay. they're, they're, you know, in the estate it was given to their children. It's still there. Yeah. I mean, but. And those and, bratty kids are like, I yeah. got a couple mil. Well, they're, yeah. they're looking, well, they're, 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 they're looking at, they can remove the Marine Corps from Paris Island and make that a resort town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a hundred so, million dollar switch. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you do have, you've got like uh, Fripp Island. Fr yeah. Fripp Island right around there. And like. Yeah. Uh, all those ones around like Kiwa and stuff around Charleston, like the co like that's prime coastal right. property. I mean, honestly, like real Marines are made on the West Coast anyway. You so think like, so? Yeah, get rid of, it, just yeah. get rid of PI. Yeah, honestly, man, if if Paris Island, South Carolina turned into a resort. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't knock down a single building. I would just, I would use every, I would repurpose every single well, building. At, go to Curry Beach. Look at Curry Beach. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's you know, true. they've kind of, what was, was it a reserve base? Yeah. Uh, a National Air Force. Yeah. yeah. National Guard, Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. And that's also where um, counterterrorism was out of for a long time. Okay. So that was actually a base used by law enforcement. We would go down there to do training. Mm. Um, and it was like kind of funded. DEA used it and some other um, federal alphabets used it for training. But it was also a resort area. Yeah. So the single wides up front were rented out. Families, you know, military families could come down to the beach and rent for a week. Or yeah. Stay however long they wanted to. Yeah. Speaking of single wides and beaches, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is Jacksonville's this only go anywhere. is Jacksonville's only beach Onslow Beach on base? Well, yeah, no Onslow County, no North Topsail Beach. Well, so I know, yeah, North Topsail, but like Jacksonville doesn't have a beach. Jacksonville right? does not. Yeah, it's, that's always wild to me. I don't know why. Just like Marine Corps came in, took the best real estate. Yeah, they're like, this is ours now. <laughs> yeah. Screw the rest Get of you. Of yeah, you got to go up to what? What's north? Ocean Isle is probably the first. The first decent beach? northern beach. Oh, Ocean Isle's down south. Oh, south. south. I'm you're going backwards. Of, uh, you're thinking of uh, Emerald Isle. Emerald Isle. Isle. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, Emerald Isle. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah, so so you kind of saw. So it, it's always had a steady flow, which is good. And so um, you know, 
what what made you want to leave law enforcement and pursue entrepreneurship? A lot of stuff changed in 20 years of being in law enforcement just in general. Um, the things that we did in 2000, you couldn't do today. Um, it's We're in a world of... I, let me back up. I remember days of working, you know, going, chasing, chasing dope dealers, foot chase. There would be a fight afterwards. They'd go to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they expected it. I mean, that was, it was almost like the expectation. Yeah. It's not like that now. Mm. Um, they don't expect to go to jail when you catch them? No. Hmm. No, they, they, they go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but there's issues after the fight. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. You so, been suspended. Right. Oh, got it. Um, got it. Yeah. The, po- political, administrative stuff. Right. From, right. The, from a societal standpoint or a yes. cultural standpoint, just where we are as a country. It, it's the, the being sued, law enforcement being sued, officers are second-guessing themselves. Um, and I've done it. Yeah. You know, toward the back end of my career, I did it. And I'm, you know, just, I don't, I don't want my, I don't, my head's not here. Yeah. I don't need to be here no more. Yeah. And then literally this PI business that I bought fell in my lap. So it was time to go. And you enjoy doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time I see you, you look happy. I am. And you guys get to work together, which I was picking him on like, what? cause I've never, I don't know other than you, any other private investigators, but I dig the TV shows. So yeah, so, and I'm so like, this is so cool. Give the listeners a rundown of like what a PI can be used for, and like what you do, what you implement, and um, you know, because people just don't know. They don't. Um, I mean, it, it's funny, but you know, we, we've had uh, conversations where, I mean, you can run background checks on somebody you're going on a date with. You know, just like you know, tell us about like what your scope of work is and what your skill sets are, and and what you could be used utilized for. So obviously, the when. The first thing you think about with the PI, the infidelity cases, the child custody cases, we do those. We do criminal defense cases. We do um, we do background checks, um, skip traces, do locates for people. Um, trackers. And, oh my gosh, trackers! Put trackers on cars. We check. We will check vehicles for trackers. Um, I have a guy that works for me that's a licensed TSM to do bug sweeps of houses. So if you have listening devices in your house, you think they've been planted, I have a guy that can come in, set equipment up, and scan your house for you. Um, Let's see, my background being a lot of it's in narcotics and use of force and training aspects. So um, I can come on as a um, as an advisor or an expert in testimony for criminal defense cases. Um, if there's a use of force against law enforcement or whatever, um, we can step in. Um, two of my guys are retired FBI agents, wealth of knowledge, which are great. Um, one of them is doing a bunch of foreign stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Because he can communicate with some foreign folks. Um, I've got another guy that we just brought on about a year ago, talking about Adam. He's a retired New York State Police investigator that did IAs, and he does traffic crash Oh, he was the guy that you brought to yes. BBC. He was a yeah. looking dude Marine. like yeah. this yeah. wide. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good looking yeah. Marine, you know. Yeah, just, good looking, just a square good jaw. Which is funny because he, freedom he, fighter. You know, he, was, he, was, he, was a, he was a Marine <laughs> stationed in camp, at Camel June. Yeah. That's where he spent his time at. And then mm-hmm. he went back up north, was a cop up there. And then retired and moved back down here. That's crazy. <laughs> so many people want to come back or, or stay. I mean, I came back. I came back. You came yeah. back. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go back to Jacksonville, but like the surrounding area was kind of cool. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll do Wilmington. Oh, come on. I mean, Jacksonville, you know, you get a, there's tattoo shops. I, and there's, I, haircuts, and there's, tattoo shops. It has, and it, has it has crossed my mind to like, and storage you know, when, yeah. when like, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when the prices were down just to like buy this monstrosity of a house and just be the king of Jacksonville. Yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. You'll be the, you'll be the 
I don't even know what the analogy would be, but it would be it would be funny just to go lay your right. flag right back right. there and just be a slumlord in Jacksonville. <laughs> the CD, the Better Call Saul attorney of right. Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go buy go buy you a strip of apartments. Yeah, go yeah buy, that's still on the table. If anybody knows any apartments for sale in Jacksonville, call Avery know. Washington, man. That guy that <laughs> oh, guy knows true. multifamilies yeah, like the back. True. He'll just walk up to somebody and be like, "You want to sell this?" <laughs> you know Avery. He's, a, I don't, he's like a real estate mogul, yep. Yep. <laughs> but he's based out of Jacksonville. I yeah, think. Marine veteran. Yeah, I Wait think minute, he moved down here now. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. At, he was at the last black meeting. guy, long beard. Yes. Yeah, yep. he was a guest on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Avery's Avery's fantastic. Uh, Bunker Labs uh, ambassador, guy. crazy smart. Yeah, crazy, crazy smart. It's interesting, um, you know, like the different routes that people take, whether it's you know uh, pivoting from military, law enforcement, anything like that. Um, but you've you've found a career where. It, you can apply your old skills and trades, which isn't something that always you know can happen. But you also you also teach too, right? I do. Yeah, you're a professor at Coastal in yeah. Jacksonville. What do you teach? Criminal justice classes. Yeah, how's that go? <laughs> um, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's different. So I I've taught with BLET for a long time, you know, basic law enforcement training, mm-hmm. um, and I taught you know defensive tactics, subject control application, uh, narcotics, all the fun classes, traffic stops, patrol techniques. Crowd, now you're kind of like crowd management, but I've moved over. I made a theory, shift over right? to curriculum classes. Okay, so I'm actually teaching students that have never been. Cops. Do you wear glasses? Yeah, do they absolutely. Call you Mr. Bradley. Ab- absolutely, Damn, they you do. Show up with slacks yep. and a button down. I do. I do. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And but it's fun though teaching these um, teaching curriculum because yeah. they have no they have no idea. Just an empty brain, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's got to be the emotional high from being a teacher, I would think. The only it's thing like, is, it, and it you know has nothing, nothing I'm about to teach you. It has right. nothing to do with my skill set. Yeah. I teach a corrections class. Right. I know how to put people in jail. I don't I don't know how to manage them in, while they're in there. Do you have hope for the future working with kids? Like, yeah, I do. Let me give some context around, because I'm, and I think all three of us are, are at right around the same age range. Um, I'm starting to see the generational shift now where it's like young people like that are entering into the workforce. And now it's becoming incumbent on us to develop them. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm trying to take inventory, I guess, of like what what is going to be the defining characteristic of that next generation? Because ours, we were a war fighting generation. So we're built very differently. We had extremely different circ- – like if you think about the, the, the early to mid to late 80s babies, we had September 11th. I just interviewed a girl today who was born on June 1st, nine, uh, 2001. She doesn't remember it. So we had September 11th. So we wild. had the, the housing cr- stock, uh, stock market crash in 2007, and then we lived through COVID and another great recession. So three times in three decades – We've dealt with some hard stuff. Oh, all while being at war for 17 to 18 years. Right. So that was our generation's defining characteristic. What are you seeing as these kids coming up? Because they're going to offer something for sure, but what is it? So us three sitting here at this table, if if something, if a task was put in front of us, we'd just go. Mm -hmm. We would handle it, right? The generation coming up is not like that. They have to think about it. Okay. And when they get done and they finally decide that what they're going or how they're going to um, attack that task, it's going to be very intelligent when they do it. They, their approach is different. You go back to the generation previous to us, mm-hmm. they look at us and they're like, oh, why are you doing it that way? Right. We're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Not, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're probably the smartest generation. Easily. Let's, let's, get, it, let's get it right. <laughs> Easily. But, but they are doing something at a – 
different rate. They're doing it better than we did, but the approach is different. Is it, so they're a little bit more cerebral? They have to be. Yeah. And is it, do you think that's a consequence of these things? And Ab- like there's absolutely. just so much information? Absolutely. The only, the only thing with that that scares me is because kind of the, the trade-off of that in the law enforcement profession is they second-guess themselves. If you can go back and watch um, training videos after training videos after training videos, um, the newer generation is second-guessing themselves when they need to pull their firearm. Mm. Which, if you look... Is that you, is that training-related? I think a lot of it is. Yeah. So kind of the, you know, taking, you know, hey, just take stabs at a profession that I was in for 20 years, but I blame it on I blame it on the administration yeah. at this point. You know, they, they threaten them, you know, you're, you're going to be sued. You're going to be sued. Well, you know what? I was in two lawsuits, actually three lawsuits in my career. Yeah. All right? If you do your job, unfortunately, you're going to get sued. It right. is what it is. Um, so they, they beat that fear into them. And so not only is it that, then you have to worry about the administration. Is the administration going to support you in your decision? Yeah. So you go back. So then you make the shift and go back to look at back when the first really big incident, law enforcement incident, where you remember it was all over the news was in Ferguson, Missouri, right? Where they're like, oh my gosh, the agency, you know, they kind of turned on this officer and they made this officer look really bad and he did nothing wrong. If you go back and watch the actual in-car camera video, that officer was getting the brakes beat off of him and he did what he had to do. Mm -hmm. So, but it goes back further than that. Law enforcement has been battling, cops have been battling their administration in, since the mid 2000s, right. So you have that that administration piece that you're having to battle. So cops are the newer cops now are smarter than us knuckle draggers, <laughs> right? And meatheads that were that were you know team guys like myself. Um, they're smarter than we were. Yeah, that's a good thing, though, right? It, it really is. It is. I mean, you know, as a as a, an attorney, mm-hmm. you know, and you and I we've sat and talked about some of these cases when you get somebody that's been arrested. Hey, we need to see this, and we need to see this, and we need to see this report-wise, and we're just, you're like, man, it's, okay, well, maybe we need to work on a plea at this point. Yeah, and I, so I was in Charleston a couple weeks ago for the jiu-jitsu tournament, and uh, some older gentleman stopped me and just talked to me and had my kids with me, and he was a retired uh, cop from upstate New York or something like that, but um, he was saying, you know, I was you know, said something, I had my Port City Attorney stuff on, and so um, we were just talking, and and he always said, you know, I never understood why guys didn't like attorneys because them pushing me made me better at my job. Yeah. He said, you know, absolutely. If if I made a mistake and I had ink on my face on the stand and I lost that case, I'm never going to do that again. Right. And, right. and so I think it's the difference between being analytical and cerebral over being emotional. And and I think a lot of officers have been turned off because. There was a time when policing was just emotionally driven, and and but we've talked about this too, though. You know, they're severely undertrained, they're severely under, um, uh, you know, under equipped knowledge-wise. I mean, it takes it takes longer to become a barber in the state of North Carolina than it does to become a police officer. BLET right now is six hundred and forty hours. Wow! And there's they're supposed to, I think, July it goes to seven twenty. A barber's eighteen hundred hours. Yeah, is that so? What's the right number? What's the right number of training to be a base, a basically trained police officer? Do you think? In my opinion, uh-huh. three thousand hours. Wow, minimum. Yeah, and I like the the Jocko's talked about it. The Jocko's talked about it before, um, where he would like to see police officers kind of be on like a military rotation, where you have you know you're on you're on the street 
for a certain amount of time and then you're training mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. So like yes. rotationals because well the but the problem with that now though is I mean we're going back to where we are today with law enforcement. We we see billboards, we see uh, the DOT signs that are going towards downtown. We see news articles. You see um, stuff flashing across social media. We're hiring. Every agency's hiring. Nobody wants to do the job, and it has to do with money. At the end of the day, it's money. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You don't. You don't. I mean, if you go, and, if I can go and work for an agency and make, let's say, forty thousand dollars, start and pay, and I got some college background, mm-hmm. I can go to Bojangles and be a manager at Bojangles and make almost sixty. Why would I go yeah. and risk my life to carry a gun mm-hmm. for forty thousand a year? Right. Right. I'd rather I'd rather deal with chicken and biscuits. And all those all those other other risks that come with doing the job. Not even like this doesn't make financial sense. Right. But does it make emotional sense? You know. So there's um, so many so things to consider. Jocko's talked about it. Some of the other um, some of the other podcasts I listened to talked about it. You know, military guys when they go on a when they go on a deployment, they may deal with, you know, maybe ten or fifteen critical incidents during a deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, cops can deal with a, over a course of a career of 800 critical incidents. There's nothing for law enforcement when they get out. Mm. There's nothing there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, yeah, it's bad. It's a problem for law enforcement. Hmm. Even the retirement system in North Carolina is crazy. It's, it's garbage. Most so, cops that I know when they retire, they go back to work. They right. have, they have no choice. They right. have to go back. To well, work. You're saying everybody that works for you, but those were all, those were all, Feds, with the exception of the New York State Police, right? Officer, and he right? don't—I mean, he don't have to work. He just <clears throat> doesn't want to sit around the house. All yeah, time. yeah. Which is smart. Keep moving. Yeah, make absolutely. a little double right. income. Why not double dip? Yeah, you know, I the the issues with um, you know with equipping and and supporting officers. I think that that also leads to, like you said, you know, if somebody is going to th- think critically about whether or not to become a police officer or not, and decide not to do that, you know, then the guys that are making that decision aren't necessarily doing it because of the right reasons, right? It's because they're like, oh, I want to carry a gun, yeah. and I want... You know, like, right. you, you just get the wrong people Where in there Where a vacuum sometimes. exists, well, but this, something will exactly. fill But in. this happened, though. This just happened where they indicted five officers from the death... They, 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 the Tennessee they, one. The Tennessee one. Yeah. They, was it Nashville or Memphis? Memphis. Memphis, yeah. They, oh, yeah. They, they beat that guy. That was yeah. terrible, too. And, yeah. and so when they start digging into the background of these officers, one of them had was a convicted felon. Oh really? And it was, a, but it was a minimal. It was a minimal sure. felon. So they're reducing standards to, to fill hot, to fill yeah. seats of the car. Yeah. You know, I would rather have a quality person in that position versus, mini, you know, minimizing yeah. standards. So, what would be your advice to somebody that's in law enforcement that sees these same things that has the same concerns, um, and, and you know, the general safety too? I mean, you got to think like you know, we all have kids, and so we went on deployments and that's when we were really at risk, but a cop is at risk, yeah. you know, potentially every day. And yeah. so like, what would be your advice to somebody that's thinking about getting out and pursuing something different, even if it's not like PI work, just like pursuing something other than policing. First off with, with that, with law enforcement, I strongly recommend anybody that goes into the profession, be well-rounded. So they do everything, try it all. You, you may find something, you may find a niche that you really like. Um, honestly, the one that the, the one job and I loved it. Um, and you know, you guys were, you guys were in the military, um, narcotics, there's nothing. I love narcotics too. Well, there's nothing, (laughs) but there's nothing. So working, working narcotics, working, working dope cases, having that dope background. Um, a lot of people don't, they're, they're scared of it. Really? They're, They're scared in the out, in the civilian world. I remember I was really considering getting out of law enforcement in 2018. Mm -hmm. I have, I've got a bachelor's degree. 
I'm, so I'm educated. I've got law enforcement experience. I've bounced around. I've done all this stuff. I was working. I was teaching at the time at the college as well. I started applying for jobs, applying for sales jobs, applying this and that. The one job I got, or one interview I got was with Pepsi. Hmm. I was like, this is great. I may get a job with Pepsi. And I walked into this interview, and I remember sitting across from this manager, and the whole time, the only thing he cared to talk to me about was if I was a route, if I was um, doing route sales, and I'm downtown, and I saw a dope deal, I can't get involved. And That's I was like, weird. And I, and I was, and That's I didn't, I, I didn't understand what he was getting at. Maybe, well, then, was he trying to connect with you? Like, no, do you think that no, was the not way? A, well, I found out afterwards. He was a dope so, dealer. No, uh, <laughs> he didn't want you he, messing with you his crowd. He did not like cops okay. because he got a DWI a year previous and lost his license. Mm. So he had to get a ride to work every day oh. with Pepsi. I was uh. like, hey, it wasn't me, bro. Yeah, yeah, right. But because of that, he just he had a thing. He didn't like cops. So, I mean, I got an interview, and then about a week later, I got a thanks but no thanks letter. Yeah, it's a mail. good thing you didn't get hired at Pepsi, right? right? Look, at right. How, look at how much better your life turned out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so that's what I'm saying. So, But I've got friends that are. Um, their backgrounds are in traffic crash investigations or working at schools, at school resource officers or stuff like that. And when they retire, there's opportunities for them. Right. They can go back to work for the school system. There may be a position at the school for them. Or if they got the traffic crash stuff really falls in, it kind of falls in line with some of the stuff that we do, but they are doing um, working for invest, you know, insurance companies. Right. Doing insurance stuff. Yeah, and fraud stuff. And, right. Yeah. And, I or mean, even even investigating legitimate claims as right. adjusters and stuff like right. that. Right. Yeah. So there's stuff for them out there. But if you want to leave the profession and you don't want to do anything outside of like this world, investigative world, you know, you want to go into, you want to go into sales for I don't know pharmaceutical sales. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you just. I could tell you just had an insurance flashback. Yeah, I did. I was just like, <laughs> like oh, dear I know this world. I know this world. Here I come. Um, we're going to have to do a part B to this episode. Yeah. I want you to come back. We okay. come back two weeks from today, same time, same place. Maybe. If we'll the to, serve, we'll, have to, we'll if the, have to talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll get on your schedule. Because I want to talk, because there's a parallel to what we talk about a lot here, which is like military transition. Right. Mm-hmm. And DOD has rightfully put a lot of people, money, time, and resources towards, towards the off ramp of the military. Yes. And making sure that those soft skills that we get in the military are relatable or equatable to skills and competencies within the civilian world. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for police officers? That might be a really interesting thing that we can dive into. Especially for since there are so many veterans that move into that policing right. world. Because there's a lot of similarities, right? You know, if you're looking for wearing a uniform again, structure, mm-hmm. brotherhood, you know, it's a natural... I've seen that for a lot of, a lot of guys I served with, you know, it's a natural transition. Yeah. And so... So you get off ramp from the military, then you go back into this high pressure, high stress, you know, uh, environment and profession where your mental health again takes a, a toll, like a toll. But then you don't get any off board, yeah. off ramping or, or, or off boarding or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the, it's, it's the endorphins. Yeah, it's, it's right. the endorphins. Just that rush. Um, you know, guys that transition out of the military, they're they're. Let's be honest. They're chasing a rush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, for you as an attorney, you were in the military. You know, you you win a case in court. It's that rush. It's that you so know. I do jujitsu too. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> really that's, though, but yeah. that's but that's your that is a this is kind of going in a different direction. That's a mental health outlet for you too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's you know going back to something that you said. Somebody that's been in this profession for twenty years or longer, and there it's time for them to start looking to transition out. First off, I've hope I've hoped they have an outlet. Yeah. They've had an outlet um, before 
of war now. Yeah. But now that they're planning on transitioning out, you know. Yeah, if that has been your sole identity, mm-hmm. the only thing that you hang your hat on, I think that's where on the back end of it, you just start to see so many of those problems. It is. If you don't have any other layers to who you are, then once you hang up that uniform, whether it be a police officer's uniform, military uniform, whatever, you're like, who am I? And what yeah. do I do? And not a lot of people have the ability to figure that out on their own. And, so, and a last parting note, you know, I think that that's a really good point in, in being that don't let your career be your identity. No absolutely. matter what it is. No matter what it is, because that can be taken away from you in an instant. And if that is your only identity, then then you're going to find yourself in a crisis because you don't know who you are anymore. And so um, I'm really looking forward to a part to part B, part two conversation about this. There's, it, I like that. I like this interview. It's a little bit different than what we usually do, but you know, we're talking entrepreneurship. We're yeah. talking military parallels. It's it's all very topical, and I enjoyed it. And appreciate you coming by, Chris. I want. Hey, man. I want. I want like to bring your top three stories with you too. All right. Top <laughs> just it. like the best of each decade. We'll go over them before. Make sure there's no criminal liability. In yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. I was going to say something. I don't remember what it was now. Oh, I remember. You said two episodes ago, and we'll, we'll send this off as a parting thought, that each and every day when you wake up, mm. you make a decision to represent something by the clothes that you wear. Yeah. You, you, and we have all like displayed it perfectly. You've yep. got Brandon Pettyjohn, attorney at law. So if you need a good defense attorney, check out Port City Attorney. You've got Cape Fear Investigative Services, which... You do a lot of stuff. Yeah, you didn't even you didn't even touch the bottom half right. of the iceberg from what we were right. talking about before. I was sitting, I was in freaking awe because I thought this was all stuff that you only see on TV. I'm like, this is like a CSI show right now. This is amazing. And then a shout out to the Patriot Franchise Expo, which is coming to San Antonio, Texas, on July 29th and 30th. So if you are a veteran, if you are a military spouse, if you're active duty, and you're like, hey, those guys at Signal Fire, they make some sense. I might want to start a business of my own. Franchising is a great way to do it, and the Patriot Franchise Expo is a great place to connect with, network, and potentially advance and own your own franchise business. So until next time, that's Brandon Petty, John, the Port City Attorney. This is Chris Bradley. Do you have a, do you have a, where can people find you online? Um, Facebook, uh, Cape for Investigative Services. And then Instagram, Cape for Investigative Services as well. Okay. I love how Brandon has tied in his, per- like, because you are the Port City Attorney. That's me. I'm not the Patriot Franchise Expo. I'm just Rob. Right. Yeah. You're not Cape Fear Investigative Services. You're Chris who owns it and runs it. Right. That's the fucking Port City Attorney But right I've there. also developed my own personality outside of that. <laughs> yes, Because if it goes away tomorrow, <laughs> I'm not going to be stuck in the mud. You're going to, dude, you're going to fight on the UFC. And, but but I do want to, I want to talk about that next time too, because um, I've noticed a dramatic dip in my algorithm when I start posting content that's not legal. Mm. And so it's just interesting uh, if you want to pivot your, your social media, we can talk about pivoting your yeah. social media outlook and how that can negatively affect Yeah, because every time we post you, our... You're, yeah, no, you but just do better. Yeah, 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 but anyway. Anyway, yeah. all right. That's going to do it for this episode of Signal Fire Radio. TK's got to get out of here, and I don't want to get a rear naked choke from him. So until next time, go out, feed your mind, strengthen your body, enrich your spirit, and grow your tribe, and go be a Signal Fire in your community. We will talk to you next time. Peace.